0: It cost us nothing, but it cost our Savior, his precious life for us. And man, I mentioned last service, my heart was full after singing. I didn't even need any preaching. And my heart's full again. I don't even need any preaching. Oh, we're still going to preach. We're still going to go there. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. We're going to finish the chapter this morning. We've been going through Mark for a long time now. And man, just the other day, I heard someone say, They would hate to be in a church where the pastor just goes verse by verse through books and how boring that would be. And I thought, dude, you need help. You need a lot of serious help, and yeah, he needs a lot of help. I think it's awesome when you go through a book of the Bible and God just lines it all up in the perfect spot right where it needs to be, and then it works out great. I don't have to go and say, someone asked me earlier, what are you preaching on on Mother's Day? I'm like, we'll be in Mark chapter 14. Like, How far into Mark chapter 14? I don't know, wherever we land. I used to do themes a lot in different things. My life as a pastor is so much easier when I just let the Bible dictate where I go. It's pretty, it works out pretty well. You're like, but pastor, you preached a themed message last week. I know I did for the resurrection. Well, that's what the Lord wanted, and I'm glad we were able to do that. But we're back to Mark, and we're going to one of these days finish it. Who knows how long it's going to be. Tonight we finished the book of Romans. It took a year and a half to get through the book of Romans. And I'll tell you my appreciation for the book of Romans has grown so much in the past year and a half because I you know I think I think God does this on purpose. I think God has certain people be pastors because they need more work on themselves. So God's like if I make them have to study my word more often because they got to relay it to others, they got to study it even more for themselves and they get the extra help that they need in their life. Because I, it's just a blessing to me. And so I'm praying about where to go next on Sunday nights. We'll have that figured out by next week. But Mark chapter 13, three weeks ago we started chapter 13, and Jesus walked out of the temple for the final time. And as he did, a couple of disciples were like, Lord, look at these magnificent, look at these buildings. They're beautiful, and the construction was still going on in some of them. And Jesus said, just so you know, someday soon there's not going to be one stone left of any of these buildings. Then the Bible tells us that Peter... James and John and Andrew, pulled him aside. And normally it was just three, but this time Andrew was there. And they pulled him aside. Lord, when's this going to happen? How are we going to know? What are the signs that this is going to happen? So we looked at three weeks ago, we studied some of the birthing pains, the signs leading up to the tribulation. We studied that in the first 13 verses of this chapter. Two weeks ago, we started verse number 14, and in verse 14 it talks about the abomination of desolation. What we did from there is we went, and it says as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. We went to Daniel chapter number 9, and we studied what the abomination of desolation is. Why Daniel's 70-week prophecy is so important. When God told the children of Israel that they were going to go back to their land, God's clock started. And 69 weeks of years, 483 years were accomplished in this time till the Messiah was cut off. And what's got to happen is for everything to play out, for everything to end, the 490 years have to be complete. It brings an end to sin. It fulfills the rest of the Bible. It brings in and ushers in the anointed one, the king. So these years have to be done. When Israel... Chose to crucify their Messiah. What they did that day is God's time clock stopped. There's one seven year period left of time. That God's going to work through the Jews. Now there are those in churches today. That believe that the church has replaced the Jews. God's people. No. The church has not replaced the Jews. Right now the Jews are blinded. That doesn't mean there aren't Jews that get saved. Because anyone can get saved. But the Jews as a whole are blinded to the truth because they rejected the truth but there's going to come a day when the Gentiles are fulfilled and complete as it talks about in the book of Romans and he's going to call out the church and then there's seven more years of working through the Jews and everything's going to end there now the abomination of desolation takes place in the middle of the tribulation so now today we are going to look at verse 14 through 37 we're going to read them as we go through today what to watch out for what are the signs of the tribulation that's what we're going to see before our eyes today now sometimes we have a hard time because we see things not in an order that we like, you can go to the book of Revelation and there are so many people have so many thoughts on prophecy and there's there's so much there and let's be honest this morning there are Bible scholars that believe a lot of different things and I'm going to tell you something today there is no such thing as a Bible scholar here on earth, okay We are all Bible students. No one has mastered the Bible, and there's no scholars today. And anyone who calls themselves a Bible scholar is mistaken, because there's one Bible scholar, his name was Jesus. He's the living word, and he knew all the word. He had it all figured out. You and I, at our very best, we don't have it all figured out. We've been studying God's word a long time, and I'm still a student, and I bet you till the day I die I'm still going to be a student. I'm still learning things I didn't know. And there's a lot I don't know about God's Word. I've been in God's Word a long time. There are many of you in this room that have been in God's Word a long time, and you're still learning things. Because we're students of God's Word. But there are many students of God's Word that would disagree on the end times. There are those that believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. That's where I stand. I'm going to explain to you why in a minute. But I'll tell you some truths here. Did you know that a pre-tribulational rapture really was not mentioned much in the church till the early 1800s? Now, I believe it's been in the Bible since the Bible was written. But it wasn't always a thought by early church fathers. There are those that believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. That before the wrath of God gets unleashed midway through the tribulation, which we'll look at a few things here in a few moments that that's when the church is called out before the wrath of God is unleashed on earth. Because Jesus took our wrath on the cross, and we're going to be out of here before the wrath of God is unleashed on earth. Then there are those that believe that we're here all the way through to the end of the tribulation, and that we are taken up when Christ returns. Now, there are, you could go through so many things today. And I'll tell you, you can find Bible to back up what you want to find Bible to back up, and then just leave out certain thoughts here and there. And you can find it, however you want. At the end of the day this is what matters. That Jesus Christ died, he was buried, he rose again that is the gospel and if you believe that you are saved by grace through faith and that not of yourself that is God's gift and it's not a works lest any man should boast and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did, you're going to be alright. You'll be alright. We can disagree on this other stuff but you'll be alright if you got that one right. If you don't have that one right, then you're in trouble. You're in major trouble. Your ship's a-sinking, and you don't even realize it this morning. So if we disagree, and you say, well, even after we talked, I'm still... That's fine. We can disagree on this, and that's fine. I, one guy, he's so bent on these certain things. We sat down, we talked, and this is the thing. Let me help some of you out, too, in the room. Why argue with people? Some, you're not going to change someone's minds. A lot of people, they're set in their ways. I just want to prove, that's the problem. You want to prove your facts. You're prideful, and you want to prove what you think is right. That's pride. Just let it go. You don't have to prove your point. You don't have to do it on those Facebook posts that you reply to. You don't have to do it with anyone else. You don't have to call and let everyone know what you think about every little thing. It's okay, all right? It's all right. So I pastor, you kind of all over the place. We'll be going to a lot of places here in just a couple minutes. Just wait. Just wait. You look on your notes there and uh, I know that a few might not have gotten notes if you came in late because we ran out of notes. I do have one more set if anybody. Does anybody want a set of notes? i got one left. i got mine. Anybody want it? will give it to you back there. <laughs> here you go. And so there you go. Now if you don't use it, I'm going to be mad. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> you took my notes so I don't even, I don't even know what I'm going to say now. No, you, you guys use yours because like I know you use yours to read the verses on there. I know why you have yours there. And so it's a little, it's a small for you. If I were to make it big enough for you to see, you'd have like 100 pages there in front of you every Sunday morning. And so, I know, I see you with your magnifier, you're out there and everything. I love that someone your age still hungers for the word of God. I love that. When I see you, you are so in tune with the message. If the Lord allows me to live, I just hope I'm in tune with things like you are because you're just in tune. I'm probably going to be off in left field because I'm already kind of headed there and I'm only 36. I was trying to remember how old I am. In your notes there, there's a picture of the way I believe things are going to unfold. And it's there on the screen for you. We live in the church age today. At some point, the church age is going to end. When it does, I believe, the next calendar event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. What some people do is they like to take the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ and say they're two separate events. They're the same event, just spread out over time. The first time the rapture of the church, we meet the Lord in the air. God calls the church out of here. And when that happens, the church is raptured out, there are verses listed in your notes that I want you to go read. That's why I give you notes with verses for you to read. This is the thing. You you can listen to any guy get up and say anything he wants to, and, you oh, that's good. That sounds really good. You need to get in the Bible and see what the Bible says. And then you could look back and say, oh, pastor was right on that because the Bible does say that. You don't trust me on what I say. You trust the Bible what it says, and if I agree with the Bible, then I was right on that statement. If I don't agree with the Bible, the Bible's right and Brian is wrong. You never just trust a man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Amen. And I don't know, I've, I've been wrong a couple times in my life. Not very often, but once in a while I've been wrong. Not often, but once in a while. Right, babe? Once, just once in a while, just so you know I'm human, right? Yeah, exactly. I believe the rapture of the church is coming next. When that happens, sometime after that, the Antichrist is going to sign a treaty with Israel. We talked about this two weeks ago. That sets off the last seven weeks of years, the tribulation the tribulation we're going to read some verse about that here in mark it's mentioned in matthew 24 and in reality revelation chapter 6 goes through the entire tribulation in that one chapter and it's broken down in your notes there for you what we do know is in the middle of the tribulation the abomination of desolation is going to take place the antichrist is going to go into the temple and he's going to claim to be god in the temple we'll talk more about that here in a couple minutes then the last three and a half years of the tribulation is going to be hell on earth. The wrath of God is going to be unleashed on earth. At the end of the seven years, Christ returns. And not a baby in a manger. He's coming as king of kings and lord of lords to conquer and to reign. When he comes, he will take Satan and banish him in hell. The bomb was put for a thousand years. During that thousand years, I believe in a literal millennial reign of Christ. He will rule and reign here on earth. Amen. And we will be here with Him. And yes, it's going to be a little weird. I know some of you, your sci-fi movies, you have mortals and immortals. Yeah, that's what it's going to be like. It's going to work out somehow because we're going to have our new glorified body. Revelation, I mean, uh, 1 Corinthians 4 talks about. And we come back with Him. And there are going to be people on the earth still during that time. And Christ isn't it going to be great to say, hey, who's, who's the president right now? Oh, Jesus is. Yeah. There's no election in four years. We don't have to pray how the Senate and how that's going to go in two years. We don't have to worry about any of that. Jesus is king. Yes. The perfect ruler. But in the midst of a perfect ruler, there's still going to be those that don't trust him. And during the millennial reign, there will be those that don't get saved. And that are deceived when Satan gets loose one final time. And then there's something called the Supper of the Great God. That, the birds have a feast on that one. And then, death and hell are cast before Jesus at the Great White Throne Judgment. And those that do not know Christ are going to be judged on their works. And they will be sent to the eternal lake of fire. That's the second death. Those, and that will be the eternal state for them. We don't believe in an annihilation theory because the beast and the false prophet were cast into the lake of fire. They skipped hell and went straight to the eternal lake of fire. And when Satan was thrown into the eternal lake of fire after those thousand years, it said the beast and the false prophet were there. So I don't believe that they annihilate over time. Hell is an eternal a, like a fire is an eternal state yes, and then those that know Christ we'll be in the new heaven, the new earth with him forever Amen. that's the way I believe it according to the Bible and I give you all the verses to back that up if you feel differently, like I said as long as you're saved and know Christ it's all good and I told that one guy that I talked to I said, hey, if we're here and the tribulations playing out before our very eyes and everything I will find you and I will tell you I was wrong when we're in heaven at the rapture, you don't have to come tell me you're wrong because I'm going to just be happy to be there, so don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about telling me you're wrong. <laughs> when we get there, that was what I said, and we laughed about it, and then we haven't talked about it again. People have so many different opinions on all this stuff. Jesus lays some things out. What, t- what are we looking for? When it comes, what are you looking for? You've got to understand, sometimes you look at the wording here, do you know there will be people that get saved during the tribulation? There are Jews, 144,000 of them, that evangelized the world during that time. There will be people that get saved. So, that, so when it talks about the elect and things during that time, I believe it's referring to those that get saved during the tribulation. That's what it's talking about. So that's where, and that's where sometimes people will take, and those that believe in a mid-trib or a post-trib will take the book of Matthew specifically. And Matthew is written to the Jews. Amen. It's going to lay out things a little differently. than that. You say, well, if it's written for the Jews, then it's not for me. God's word's for all of us, and there's application everywhere. But you need to remember the context in what something's written. We get in a lot of trouble nowadays because everyone just... It, anyways, we'll stop there because I'll go well, on all day. Carla already told me I need to move things along. I talk a little too much after last service. And I'm like, I heard you the other day, and she talks for a living. She's a natural talker and so she's talking to me like that and she talks all the time too I don't know if she were to preach one day what would happen we'd be here for five hours but anyways no we won't go there but anyways what do you look for what are the signs number one we see the abomination of desolation it's one of the things to look for look what it says in verse 14 of our text Matthew 13 verse number 14 but when he shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet which we already studied And if you weren't here two weeks ago, go back and listen to that message and you can hear these things. Stand where it ought not. Let him that readeth understand. Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. And let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house. And let him that is in the field not return back again for to take up his garment. But woe to them that are with children and to them that give suck in those days and pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. So what we see first of all, and as we look, the signs to look for, the Bible is our barometer. It's our gauge. Chuck Swindle tells a story. In 1938, this guy bought this new, fancy, expensive barometer that was, supposed to, it was so sensitive it was supposed to help with warnings when hurricanes were going to come. So this guy, when this package arrived in the mail, he got it and he opened it up and the barometer said hurricane on it he's like he shakes it it still says hurricane he puts it in a different place in the house it still says hurricane he was so upset that he wrote the company this letter this scathing letter about I spent all this money and your stupid barometer doesn't even work he put it in the mailbox and he left home for a few days he came back a few days later his house was gone (laughs) And the mailbox was gone because the hurricane came through. The barometer was right. God's word is right. Amen. God's word is always right. We're going to look at a verse here in a little bit that goes even deeper into that. But as we look here, the Bible says when the abomination of desolation takes place, you better watch out if you're around during that time. God's wrath is going to be unleashed here on earth. And it says, hey, if you better head for the hills... Hey, if you're, if you're pregnant with a baby, woe to that baby that it's coming. If you have young children, woe to those children. Because it's going to be a bad day coming. That's the first sign that we see. Now something you got to understand as we look here, and as we look at this, as it talks about the word abomination, it literally means detestable, loathing, foul, and nauseous. And this event will take place in the future. But I want to remind you of something. There are events that take place, and there are foreshadows of these events, not the actual events that take place. Did you know the Bible talks about, in Daniel chapter number 11, verse 31, And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength. And they shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination and make desolate. Did you know 167 B.C., before Christ came, a pagan king named Antichus Epiphanes entered the temple, and he offered a pig on the temple altar. Now, think about Jews and pig, okay? Now, today I have a pork roast in the crock pot. It was a lot cheaper than the beef roast, and so the pork roast won this week. And I like pork roast. Thank God I'm not a Jew that follows their tradition there. But can you imagine for them having a pig offered in the temple on the sacrifice? Not only that, he placed a statue of Zeus in the Holy of Holies and ran a brothel in the rooms of the temple. This was before Christ ever came. And for years, the Jews quit offering sacrifices because it was so detestable what took place. That was not the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. That was a foreshadowing of something that took place, Daniel 11.31. Before the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. by the general Titus, in 68 A.D., there was a murder that took place in the Holy of Holies. Titus, the Roman ruler, came and took all the holy things out of the temple and destroyed it in 70 A.D. That's not the final temple. There will be one more temple built. And that temple, the Antichrist, in the middle of the tribulation is going to walk in there and say that he is God and be worshipped. The Bible tells us and we think about this 2nd Thessalonians chapter number 2 verse 3 and 4. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and the son of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or is or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's what we're watching out for. That is what is coming. A real man, the Antichrist, will come, and he will sit in the temple, and he will say that he is God. No need to sacrifice. That is coming. And if you're alive during that time, and you are not saved, or whatever the case may be, and you're alive during that time, you better head for the hills. Because there's some bad times coming. So the first thing we see is the abomination of desolation. Number two, we see the tribulation. Look at verse number 19. Verse number 19. The Bible says here in verse number 19, For in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of the creation, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except that the Lord should shorten those days, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he has shortened the days. You'll notice there you see words in those days. Such days. These are future days that are coming. And, all re- and you look at those words, the word affliction means breaking, squeezing, pressing, and crushing. If you want to study the tribulation, Revelation 6 through 18 would be the chapters to study. And chapter 6 gives you a breakdown of the whole tribulation in that one chapter. And as we think on these things, it's going to be a difficult time, the tribulation. The world's never seen days. And you say, the world's a wicked place. You see what's going on in Ukraine. No, the world's not seen anything like what's coming. Oh, what Hitler did to the Jews. Yes, I get that. But you haven't seen such a day as what's coming during the tribulation. Daniel 12, verse number 1 tells us, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time and at that time thy people shall be delivered every one that shall be found written in the book you see something about thy people the Jews found written in the book and it ties into the tribulation I told you why I'm a pre-tribulational rapture guy and that gives you a little bit more there if you've got more thoughts on that, we could talk more about it later. But you got to understand, it's going to be an awful time, what takes place here on earth during that time. Awful. We've not, this world's not seen. You say, this world's so wicked today, this world hasn't seen it as bad as it's going to get during the tribulation. It's only going to get worse. What do we see? Some signs. What are we to look for? Oh, the abomination of desolation. You're to look for the tribulation. Next, number three, great deception. Deception. And there have been many for a long time that have been deceived. You know, humans are prone to be deceived. So I could have a guy like Charles Manson have the followers he did. Or you have, what was that? Was that Jones, the guy with the Kool-Aid? Never never trust a pastor in Kool-Aid, Okay. (laughs) watch out for that one although I love Kool-Aid, isn't that funny? I I love Kool-Aid, it's one of my favorite drinks in all the world, Kool-Aid and nowadays with my special, you just put Splenda in there instead of regular sugar and I could drink Kool-Aid I love Kool-Aid just put a big picture of the Kool-Aid man and I get a smile on my face because I love Kool-Aid so, so if you're at my house and I offer you Kool-Aid, you're okay, okay, you'll be alright no, nothing to worry about people are easily deceived, deception look at what it talks about during this time and so, what is all this written here for? Do you know there are going to be people alive during the tribulation time? These are the things they need to be looking for. Is God's word going to be nowhere? I think God's word will still be around. Yes, sir. I don't think it ever is going to fail, is it? Yes, sir. So let's look at what it says about this deception that's going to take place. Daniel 13, uh, Daniel, Mark chapter 13, and you look down at verse number... 21 and then if any man shall say to you lo here is Christ or lo he is there believe him not for false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to, to seduce if it were possible even the elect now let me help you here real quick I hear Christian now I told you there are those who believe in a mid-trib and a post-trib rapture and i told you that i told you where i stand just a little bit ago there are those i hear people all the time you need to warn christians about not taking the mark if you take the mark of the beast can you go to heaven or not no. i believe no i think that's clear so if a saved person is here will a saved person take the mark no say well well how not did you read the end of that verse if it were possible that antichrist would even deceive the elect it's not possible you have the great spirit in you if you are a saved child of God the spirit of God lives inside of you now you say well there are a lot of people that never follow the Lord that never do this or that it's not my job to question someone's salvation that's a them and God God searches the heart but I will tell you this I think there are a lot of people that think they're saved that are not truly saved that's a, you say that's a bold statement Jesus is the one who said it there's going to be many who call out and prophesy in my name and I'm going to say depart from me I never knew you that's what Jesus said so I'm just repeating what he just said I think there are many you better, you better know your salvation sure in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ salvation is in him and through him and all about him and nothing about you and I if we're being honest we're dead the faith and grace that we're given is a gift from God God does everything for us and we put our faith and trust in him that he allows us as dead people to still do think on that one for a little bit time that just shows how awesome his grace is. That's why we can sing songs about his amazing grace. But we look at that phrase, but and as we look at that, if it were possible, even the elect, but take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. And so there are going to be many that are deceived. During the tribulation, Satan is going de- to deceive many. Remember the Antichrist is going to sign a treaty of peace with Israel? There will never be true peace in Jerusalem and in Israel until the Prince of Peace comes. Amen. But the Antichrist is going to sign a fake peace. If, we're being, if we were to go to Revelation 6, you would see that this guy rides on a white horse, opens it up. That's not Jesus. That's the Antichrist. He ushers in a fake peace. He's going to deceive many. They're going to think he's this wonderful guy. Here's another thought for you. If the church and God's people are still here, Aren't we going to all be out there saying that guy is a fake? That guy is a fraud? Because we aren't going to be deceived. So it would make sense that the church needs to be out of here. But anyways, that's just another thought there for you. I won't go any deeper on my thoughts on that. But the Antichrist is going to deceive a lot. And it's going to come a point, the Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all, li- with all power and signs and lying wonders. The book of Revelation tells us about this guy. It tells us, And he doth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Yeah, you know you'd think that's pretty spe- Well, that guy just called fire down from heaven. Yeah, that's a, that's a... Any of you ever call down fire from heaven? No, I've never done it. That would be pretty cool to see someone do. You might think that's someone... And it says, And deceive them that dwell on the earth by the means of these miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live and do you know satan has his his trinity you realize that his man in the flesh is going to be the antichrist and he has his false prophets as his spirit and that false prophet is going to be going around, and I've got some inclinations who I might think that false, that uh, that freak might be that, but we won't go down that road. I'll keep that to myself here this morning. But I think Rome plays into that, and I think there's a lot that plays into that. The, the Bible talks a lot about that, but I'll leave that there, and I won't go deeper just so I don't Yeah, anyway, so, what's going to happen is the false prophet is going to, this guy, this Antichrist, is going to He's going to take a blow. He's going to basically die and live. And he's going to say, This book talks about someone who's going to die and live. I can verify with this that this is your Christ. And they're going to deceive many this way. That's why the beast and the prophet are just thrown straight into the lake of fire. God's like, you, you're not even you're not even going to hell. You're just going straight to the lake of fire. But anyways, they're going to deceive many. What are the what are the things to watch out for? There's going to be the abomination of desolation, the tribulation. There's going to be great deception that takes place. The next thing that we see, number four, is we see that God's wrath is unleashed on the earth. Look with me, and let's continue on here and look at verse number twenty-four. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. God's wrath is going to be unleashed on earth. I know we talk about global warming. It's going to get really bad and hot here. We look at these verses here and you see how it says at the end of the tribulation, after the tribulation... Matthew says immediately after, at the end of the tribulation. Listen to what the Bible tells us in Revelation 6, verse 12 to 14. And I beheld when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs. And when she is shaken of a mighty wind... And the heaven departed as a scroll, as it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Those that are here during the tribulation and during this part of the tribulation and live in Southern California here, they'll get up looking for Mount Baldy. It's not going to be there. They're going to look for Catalina. It's going to be someplace else. Or maybe that's when California forms its own island and falls off the rest of the United States. Who knows? That could be true, like people say. But that's literally going to happen. And you keep reading there, the heavens. It says there, the heavens depart as a scroll as it is rolled up. The heavens are rolled back, and you can see the throne of God. And people are hiding in horror, wanting rocks to crush them and kill them, and they can't die during this time. It's going to be a bad time. Because this is the thing we sang about today. He bore my wrath. What Jesus went through on the cross, he took the wrath of God on him so that I wouldn't have to go through the wrath of God. But if you don't take the sacrifice of Jesus, you will bore the wrath of God. The wrath of God will be unleashed. And number five, the thing to watch out or to look for, is Jesus' return to earth. As I said, I believe that Jesus' return is in two parts. One thing, his return. His return is he catches his bride in the air, the tribulation happens, and then he comes again. Look at what it says here. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and they shall be, then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. You say, well, he's collecting saints then. Those that get saved during the tribulation. Yes, sir. It talk, go, you can look in Revelation 7. It talks about how there's a time where things calm a little bit. And that's when people get saved. That's what it's referring to again. Now as we look at this, we see they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. When the children of Israel in the Old Testament, when they wandered in the wilderness, and when they left Egypt, a cloud was there with them, which represented the presence of God being with God's people. When the tabernacle was built, the presence of God came in the form of a cloud. God's glory filled the tabernacle. When Solomon's temple Was finished when that temple was finished, the glory of God came down and filled the temple. And so, as we look here and we see the fact that Jesus, He's going to come to earth again, and we see that He's coming in the clouds, clouds are important. When on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, Mark 9 7, Mark 9 7, and there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, hear Him. When Acts chapter number 1, a cloud received him out of their sight. And when he comes again, he's coming with the clouds. He's not coming born of a virgin again. He's not coming to be born in in a manger. He's not coming for a few wise men to come worship and for a shepherd to see. He's not coming to be slain again. But when Jesus comes again, he is coming in glory, first of all. He will come in glory. It says it right here. And as we look at these things, and as we realize that Jesus is coming again, the Bible tells us, Revelation 1, 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also that pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. He is coming in glory. He is, it's going to be a completely different time this time. He came the first time. As a lowly baby, but he's not coming as a lowly baby. He's not coming as a lamb to be slain. He's coming up as a lion of the tribe of Judah. When he comes, he comes in glory. Number two, he comes in power. He comes in power. He's not a helpless little baby. He doesn't need to be born. He's coming in power. Revelation 19, verse 15 and 16. Out of his mouth, go with a sharp sword that with it he shall spite the nations. Hey, he spoke the world into existence. He's going to take it out the same way he spoke it in. Amen. He just says it and it happens. Amen. And he shall rule them with the rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh written a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Jesus said before he ascended back up into heaven, All power is given unto me in heaven. And in earth. And when Jesus comes again and when he returns, he's coming in glory, he's coming in power, and he's coming with salvation. Praise God for that today. Praise God that Jesus is coming again. What the angels tell the disciples that day why are you gazing up? What are you looking at? This same Jesus that was taken from you shall come in like manner also. And someday he's going to return. And praise God for that day and it's coming So what are we supposed to do with what we know? Man, last service I did the same thing and I was tired last <laughs> service. And I thought to myself, how am I going to do this again? And I still got two last points. And then we're done. So we know this. We see some of the things to watch out for and those that are here and what to watch out for. What are we supposed to do in the meantime? How do we live? Number one, don't miss the signs. The signs of the times are around us, but I'll tell you the signs have been around for a long time. I'm sure that there were. I'm sure there have been many times since Jesus went back to heaven that they've oh signs are right here. He's coming soon, and he is coming soon. You realize God's timetable and ours is so different. One day to him is a thousand years for us, right? He's coming soon. But look at what it says here. And I want to help you out this morning, okay? Let's finish this up here. He gives a parable. And many people have tried to take this parable, and they say lots of things. Now, I'll tell you. I've said it before. We're all Bible students, right? We're no, there's no scholars. I have what I believe this means, what I think it means, but I could be wrong. If you want to tell me I'm wrong later, go right ahead. That's totally fine. Just don't do it right now, because now wouldn't be a good time. And so... If you were meant to preach right now, God would have you doing it. But anyway, so, look at what this parable says. And I'll break it down for you a little bit. It says in verse number 28, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves, ye shall know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done heaven and earth shall pass away but my word shall not pass away now there are many people have lots of different thoughts here as we look at this and we think about this it says there that this generation shall not pass away till all things be done there are some that believed that this was what Jesus was telling his disciples would take place and all this happened during their generation I don't believe that's the case Pre-terrorism is what that is called. There is also a belief out there that this generation, and they tie the fig tree to Israel. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. They tie the fig tree to Israel, and then in 1948, Israel became a nation again. And you think about think about how amazing that is, that they became a nation again, after all those years of not being and then a nation again in 1948. So I was only three years old in 1988, But there was a lot of people that believed that Jesus was returning in 88. Do any of you remember that? Because it was 40 years, a generation from when Israel was established as a nation again. So people got this idea that he was going to return in that time. Well, he didn't come in those 40 years. And so there's this other thought out there that that generation could be anyone who lived from the time the Jews were there. So there are some people that still believe to this day that from the time Israel became a nation, you can go 100 years forward, so Jesus will come back before 2048 because that's one generation there. Any time, that's their thought. I'm going to give you my simplistic idea here, okay? What I believe it is saying is that those that are alive for those signs as they're there will be alive when the signs are all finished. That generation will see the whole thing. Now, that might be too simple for you, but I, I tend to be a simple person, and I would go more on the simple route there. And you say, well, what about Israel? And uh, Israel has to be a nation if forms, and the Jews got to come back together. I see all of that. If you want to tie that to the fig tree and all that, go right ahead. But this is the problem we run into. People start guessing dates and guessing all these things, and 1988 passed a long time ago. 2012 passed a while back, right? Wasn't there people <coughs> 2012, May something of 2012 was one of the dates? And this is what I want you to understand is, as we look at this, you've got to understand, what do we do with the information that we have? Just stay alert to the signs. Don't miss the signs. Hey, there are signs before us today that we're getting closer to the Lord's return. There have been signs for a long time. Now, if you get, and you're here for the signs of the abomination of desolation things, you better take cover and go hide yourself. And there's lots of other things that go down that road, but keep an eye out for the signs. But secondly and lastly, just stay awake. Too many Christians are sleeping today. Let me help you with with another thought when it comes to making dates. Look what Jesus had to say. He made this very simple for all of us. Verse 32. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. Are you ready? No man knows the date. Let me help you a little bit further. No, not the angels which are in heaven. The angels don't know the date. Man doesn't know the date. Now, this one's going to throw you a little bit. Jesus doesn't even know the date You're like, but Jesus is the son of God Yes, he is He's the Godhead He's God But there's three parts to God, correct? And look at what it's Is Jesus Jesus a liar? Is Jesus a liar? Jesus said these words He said, no man knows The angels don't know Neither the son Jesus doesn't know either that's why it's interesting, you normally see that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Not, this is just a little thought for you to spark some curiosity later. You know when, when Stephen is preaching to the Jews, Jesus is standing, what if the Jews would have received him then? Maybe he thought that was going to be the time the Father was going to tell him to go get them, but they didn't. That's just a thought. That's, I'm not saying it's anything deep, just a thought. I'll give you something to think on later. Jesus doesn't even know the hour. You know what Jesus is waiting for? Hey, son! It's your time. Hey, that bride you've been preparing for, those mansions you've been building, all the, it's time, go get your bride, son. That's what he's waiting for. Only the Father knows. No one else does. Look what else it says. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all what I'm saying to you four disciples right now, I'm saying to everyone that reads this, watch, stay alert, wake up. Some of you need that right now. I've seen your eyes rolling back in your head a few times. Wake up, wake up. We need to stay awake. The Lord's coming. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13 and verse 11, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out asleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. It's time for Christians to wake up. Amen. You know one of the biggest problems we have in Christianity today? I'm just about done. I really am. Your notes are just about done. We're just about there. The biggest problem we have in Christianity today is all the Christians that are asleep. Amen. We're asleep. Amen. I gave this illustration last service, and I'm going to give it this time, and then we'll be done here in just a minute my kids, I tell you, they are something else. And you would say the same thing about your kids, but my kids, Saturday morning, a day they can sleep in. There are a couple days during the week they can sleep in. And wouldn't you know, Saturday morning, 7, 7.30, they're up, raring to go. Like, we let you stay up a little bit on Friday night. You're supposed to sleep in on Saturday. Why are you awake? Dad, we got lots to do today. We got to get, there's lots to get done. We, Sleep in! This morning, I got up extra early. I did my morning run early before church. And uh, when I got back, it's about 6.45. I'm going up the stairs, and David's coming down the stairs. I'm like, dude, it's 6.45. Why aren't you asleep? I woke up. <laughs> and then he's down there, and he's, he's got this new game. This What's the name of that game? Do you remember the name? Poetry for Neanderthals. So if you don't guess it right or something else, you have this, this stick that you hit the other person with. Neanderthals, anyway. <laughs> so what do I hear as I'm getting ready upstairs? He's beating the stick against his hand, waking everyone else up. But I'm going to guarantee you something. Are you ready? School's tomorrow. 740, 745, they will still be asleep. And they will even go to bed early tonight so they're ready for school tomorrow. But they will get up late and, Dad, yeah, we're so tired, let us sleep. Why didn't you say that on Saturday? How many of you, your kids are like that or were like that? I think it's, that's how they are. But do you know that's how we are as Christians? We are awake to all the things that mean nothing in life. All the things that don't matter, we're there for we do them. And all that, we're good to go. Saturday morning, I'm up. Church things. Oh. Reading my Bible. When's the last time you read your Bible? I'm reading it right now. Oh, well, that's good. That's why I give you a lot of Bible every week. Because some of you, that's all the Bible you get all week long. And if, if all the Bible you get all week long is what you hear in church, you're starving yourself spiritually. Yes, you're starving yourself we need God's word Amen. but we're awake oh my favorite show it's, the season's almost over I gotta watch it tonight yeah there you go and then you can't get in your Bible you're awake to the things that don't matter and asleep to the things that do matter when's the last time you spent time in prayer how's your church attendance doing say pastor I'm here This one. good great and wonderful so much the more as you see the day approaching that's what the Bible says and I'm just going to put a little plug here, and if you don't like it, fine, just stick it. You don't listen to half the things I say anyway, so just don't listen to what I say right here. Some of us in this room used to be real faithful to church and faithful to things, and now we're not. You need to wake up. And I, there are some, you've, you're doing as you've always, that's fine. I'm talking about there are some people that have been here years and years, And we're just starting to slack back on things. Wake up. Sometimes you just need the little shaking. Hey, wake up. Because the Lord's coming. He is coming. And I love those verses in there. It says, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. He's coming. What do we do in light of these things that we've seen today? And Keep an eye out on the signs. Watch for the signs but then wake up. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that the next chapter, Jesus takes some of those disciples, those very ones with him, and then they're sleeping? And they should have been awake. But that's, but I'll tell you this, even the good Christians, and I put this in this, because there are really no, let's be honest, there are no good Christians. You're, you're not as good as you think you are, and I'm not either. We're not good. If we were good, we didn't need Jesus. There's none good But even the good Christians, Peter, James, and John, sometimes get a little too sleepy for the things that matter. And if good Christians need to be woken up every once in a while, then some of us need to wake up every once in a while. Just a little thought for you. Father, thank you.